Hey, Louise and, and Steve. Um, I'm sorry you've got to put up with me again. It wasn't, uh, wasn't the plan for me to be preaching this morning, but uh, sometimes plans that you make uh, several months ago don't come to fruition, so uh, I've kind of had to step in uh, today. So I hope you can put up with me. I do count it as a, as a real privilege to, to speak God's word, but I also count it as a terrifying responsibility terrifying because if I say things that are not true then I myself will come under severe judgment so please pray for me and please test the things that are said as we uh, explore the scriptures together we're going to be uh, looking continue to look at our series in Acts and we're looking at the uh, final few verses of Acts chapter 2 so turn with me if you would in your Bibles Page 1033, if you're using the Pew Bibles. And in uh, my version, this section is entitled The Fellowship of the Believers. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, ask that you would open up these words to us now, that we would understand what you mean by church. You would understand, we would understand what you're calling us to be as your people. Father, as we look at this, help us test ourselves. Help us to be challenged about uh, what we are, who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I thought today we'd look at the the question, what is church? We already have had some uh, sarcastic comments from the cold row there. Church is cold. But I I wonder what... uh, I just noticed it's snowing outside, goodness me. Um, wow. Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Prophetic. <laughs> but I wonder, when you're asked that question, what is church, what, do you th- what would be your answer? You see... If I look in the Oxford English Dictionary, which you'd like to think is a trustworthy book, the Oxford English Dictionary states as its first definition of church, church, noun, a building used for public Christian worship. And it gives examples of to go to church or to take somebody to church. Now, far be it from me to challenge the Oxford English Dictionary 
but I personally believe they are badly, badly wrong in their definition of what church is. So let's just have a look at what Jesus said when he first referred to his church. Matthew 16, verse 18. He's talking to his disciples and specifically to Peter. And he uh, says to Peter, you're Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not stand against it. Now at that time, Jesus hadn't established his church. He was just uh, kind of leading a, a set of his followers. And it's the first time in this particular verse, uh, Matthew chapter 16, that the word church is used. And the word that Jesus used was a kind of, a, um, in Greek, a kind of derivative, um, ecclesia. Greek word ecclesia. And that means to be called out or to be an assembly. So Jesus was saying, I will build my assembly, I will build my people who are called out and the gates of hell shall not stand against it. In other words, Jesus was saying he wasn't going to create a building, he was going to create a people who were called out, who were made to be special to fulfill his mission. How we get things messed up sometimes, don't we? I bet if you ask most people what the church is, they would give the answer that the Oxford English Dictionary gave. But Jesus was not saying the church is a place we go. Jesus was saying the church is a thing we are or a thing that we do. And in fact, in eternal terms, Jesus was saying it's nothing to do with a building. If you look at John chapter 14 verse 2, Jesus was saying that in eternal terms, the job of the building's been done. Because he said, in my father's house there's many rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. The building is being prepared for us, and it's certainly not here on earth. So church is not a building. When I was looking at that verse, I was pondering a little bit about why Jesus said the gates of hell shall not stand against it. Now gates in kind of a city terminology are, are kind of the weakest point of a, of a city. It's the, the strength of a city was really marked by the strength or the power of the gates because if people could break in through the gates, then the city could be invaded. And I think often in this day and age, we think of the church almost as a group of people, a city, if you like, metaphorically, that needs to defend itself against all incomers. We have to defend ourselves against the pollution of uh, you know, some of the things that are going on in the world today, some of the things that we've already been praying about today. But that's not what Jesus said at all. What did he say? He said, the gates of hell will not stand against it. Far be it from a people who are in defense and trying to keep bad things out, Jesus is saying, I'm going to build a people who will break down the very gates of hell and break in to that world in which we live and turn it around. Church is not a building where we have to kind of seal ourselves away. 
and hope that we're not corrupted by the world. Jesus' meaning of church was a powerful people given authority and power to go out and make a difference in this world. And in fact, if you kind of uh, look on to the uh, next part of that verse, sorry, verse 19 after that, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. Jesus says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus has given us the power, the authority and the keys of the very kingdom of heaven to make a difference in this world. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that so much more than just a a building where people gather to worship? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, by the way. But isn't it exciting that Jesus has given us the power to break through the very gates of hell and make a difference in this world? Well, I'm excited anyway. So, it's not a building. It's an assembly of God's people called out to fulfill a mission. But let's go back to uh, this passage that we were um, we read just before. Bizarrely, when I was kind of praying through and studying through this, this lady came to mind. Anybody know who uh, Mrs. Gren is? I'm sure the uh, our uh, scholars here on the front row will know. Who's Mrs. Gren? Excellent. Well done, Dylan. It's uh, an acronym for the signs of something being alive. Okay? And uh, I won't test you and embarrass you all, but the acronym is that the, the, <laughs> the signs of a living entity is that it has to have movement, respiration, sensitivity, growth, reproduction, excretion and nutrition Mrs. Gren right if you're experiencing those things then you're alive test, test yourselves you don't have to do it all at the same time no but uh, hopefully at some time you experience those things if not then it's not a sign of life and I was thinking, I thought, why, why has this suddenly come to my head? And when I was thinking about church and it not being a building, it being a, a living assembly of God's people, I thought, what about applying this test of being alive to the church? And what does this passage in Acts tell us about the nature of the church and its aliveness, if you will? So here we go. Signs of life in the church. And I'm not going to do it in the order of Mrs. Gren, so please excuse me, because I think actually there's a bit more of a natural order when we look at this in the context of the church. But for me, the first one is respiration. We saw a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the first part of Acts chapter 2, the disciples received and were filled with the Holy Spirit. The same word, the Holy Spirit, is the breath of God. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
respiration in the context of the life of the church and the church being alive is, are we filled with the Holy Spirit? If we're not, then we're dead. Romans 8.10 says, If Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. We need to be filled with God's Holy Spirit to have that respiration sign of life in our church. Second one, nutrition. When we look at this passage... How did the early church feed itself? We can see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now Jesus, when he spoke um, on a couple of occasions, quoting a verse, but he spoke to his disciples, but also he challenged the um, Satan himself when he was tempted in the wilderness. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, i.e., the scriptures. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on scriptures. And we see here in the early church that they devoted themselves to both things. The breaking of bread, they shared bread together, but also they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They nourished themselves on the very word of God. If we're to be an alive church, we have to devote ourselves to studying the word of God and understanding what God has to say. Thirdly, delicate subject, excretion. Thankfully, the word excretion is a biblical word. In my version, there's at least three occurrences of the word excretion. And it's a perfectly natural function. But what does that mean in the context of the church? For me, it's clear, just like bodily excretion is getting rid of things that are harmful to you, or you don't need... So, in the context of the church, we need to get rid of those things that would harm us. We need to put aside things of earthly desire and focus instead on God. And what did the early disciples do in this passage? Well, we saw actually that you know, they devoted themselves, they spent all their time, they put aside, they put out of their lives those things that would distract them. But also they sold those things that they didn't need, those kind of physical things that would be a distraction. They sold them and used the money to give to those that were in need. So I think excretion is a sign of life in the church if we can put aside those things that are not helpful in our lives if we can make do with just what we need rather than what we want. Fourthly, growth. The early church we see as a result of nourishing themselves in the word, as a result of being filled with the spirit, they learned, they developed, and they matured in their faith. They grew as a result. And the interesting thing is that we see one particular um, statement, that they enjoyed the favour of all the people. 
Have you noticed that? Here was the early church that wasn't tainted by false teachings, arguments over doctrine. It wasn't tainted with persecution and challenges. At this point in time, they enjoyed the favour of all the people. We'll come on to that a little bit later on. But as a result of that, signs and wonders (coughs) followed them. They were really growing in their understanding. Fifthly, sensitivity. Another sign of life. If you can't feel things, if you're not sensitive, then... That's a sign of, uh, of death, isn't it? What did we see in the early church? They were sensitive to each other's needs and they acted accordingly. What did they do? They sold things that they had. They gave to those in need. They looked out for those who were struggling. Next, movement. Another sign of life. What did the um, early church do? They didn't stick around in their little rooms. They didn't stick around in their homes, although they did share fellowship in their homes. Daily, they went out into the temple courts, it said. Now, the temple courts is not the way we would look at it. It's just another kind of word for they went to church. Actually, the temple courts were the place where the day-to-day business went on. Where people would gather, they would meet. That would be the the kind of hub, central hub of uh, everything that was happening in the city. And the early church, they went out and moved. They went to where the people were. And they gained favour with the people as they went. There were visible signs of life as they moved out. And lastly, reproduction. Another important sign of life. We don't reproduce, we die out. And what does this passage say, the final verse? The Lord God added to their numbers daily. These are the signs of a church that is alive. And if we look at ourselves as a church, what do we see in those things? I hope that we see, yeah, actually we are a church that's alive. We're a church that is hungry for God's Holy Spirit. We're hungry for understanding the the truths in God's word. I hope we're hungry to put aside those things that are distracting. But maybe there's a challenge there. Maybe we should think about, you know, is God number one throughout the whole of our week or just on Sunday? Are there things perhaps that we need to put aside? Are we growing Are we really maturing? Are we moving on from kind of understanding the basics? Are we delving in deep into his word? Are we using our small groups, our our prayer groups, to really grow and develop and move on in maturity? I'd like to think we're a massively sensitive church that really cares for those in need. I look at uh, in wonder really sometimes at the things we get up to in uh, supporting mission work and uh, being sensitive to those that are um, in real need but you know what I'm sure there's so many 
situations, circumstances, individuals in our fellowship where actually we don't know the half of what's going on. Are we really sensitive to that? If we're going to be a living, thriving church, we need to have that great sensitivity that's prepared to put others ahead of ourselves. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Do we really do that? So, I hope that we can see signs of life, but where does that leave us? I also thought, it's not just about being alive, it's about staying alive. It's about staying well, it's about being as fit as we possibly can, growing from that little seed to a mighty tree, if you like, metaphorically speaking. So what do I mean by keeping the church well, and what does that mean in the context of this passage we've read? So let's take W first. God intended the church, through Jesus, first and foremost, to be a worshipping church. We're here to worship God, surely. That's what he created us for. So we should be a worshipping church. And what did the early disciples do? What did the early church do? They devoted themselves to prayer and praising God. And so should we. Jesus created his church to be an evangelizing church. He gave us a mission. Yeah? We are not fulfilling his plans and purposes unless we are an evangelizing church. Going out, spreading the good news that we have. That's the E. The first L, we need to be a learning church. Understanding the basics of uh, salvation is not enough. Hebrews tells us that we need to move on from kind of milk. We need to move to solid foods. We need to be really hungry for those things that will satisfy. We need to dig deeper into the word of God and really understand it. We need to learn through that God's plans and purposes for us. It's the first L. In the second L, Jesus wants us to be a loving church. I think if we can sum all those up, that sums up the mission that we have, that God gave us, to go and make disciples of all nations. Go to the very ends of the earth. So are we a well church? For a living church, then are we as well as we can be? And for me, this is why we're looking at our strategy and kind of the focus areas. And when we look at worshipping, one of the areas we're looking at is prayer. What are we doing as a church about prayer? The real sign of life in a church is how much time is devoted to prayer. Because prayer, as we heard a few weeks back, is God's means of fulfilling his plans and purposes through us, interceding, praying. Do we spend enough time in prayer seeking what God's will is for our church? Then evangelizing and learning. For me, this is why it's so important for us to look at this whole thing of discipleship. Because discipleship is about training people, teaching people uh, to go on to the next step. But also then ultimately to reach out to, to others in evangelism. 
Are we a discipling church? Are we well in that area? And then the kind of uh, third and fourth areas that we're looking at as our focus for me relate to being a loving church. It's about our pastoral heart. It's about our community engagement. What are we doing to reach out? So what does it mean to be church then? Going back to my opening question. It's clearly not a building, although we're blessed to have this building and to use it for God's work. What does it mean to be church? What does it mean to you to be a part of this church? Is it a place just to kind of meet friends and share fellowship? And that's really important. You know, you look at what the early disciples did. They continually met together. They went to each other's houses. They shared. But it's so much more than that, isn't it? Richard mentioned uh, at the start about the importance of fellowship. And actually, you know, if you're you're just one person taken out, how quickly you can uh, um, kind of lose that vibrancy, that life. So we need to be a body of people called out in assembly to be his. So I hope that from what I've gone through that you recognize us as being this living, loving, worshipping, learning, evangelizing church. But if we're going to stand up against the, the very gates of hell, break them down, then we've got to keep fit. We've got to keep well. And for me, the really encouraging thing is that going back to that verse from Matthew, whose church is it? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it it's not our church it's his church nor does he say and do you know what the church will be built if you uh, um, if you kind of do what you're asked to do no he says I will build my church all we have to do is be faithful to the mission that he's called us to be willing to spend time, invest time in prayer. To be willing to speak out to others, to bring them the good news. To be willing to invest time in learning his word. And to be willing to put others before ourselves. Do that and Jesus promises he will build his church. Amen.